This is One in 54, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. One in 54 is a weekly show devoted to topics related to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. My name is Eliza Bozenski. I'm your host. I'm the Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism. And this morning I'm speaking with Dr. Gina Riley from Hunter College. Uh, Gina is a coordinator and professor within the Adolescent Special Education Program at Hunter College. Gina, good morning. Good morning. So nice to be here. Thrilled to have you on the on the program. Um, this this show is dedicated to all things related to autism, um, and I know that what you're doing both at Hunter and also through an organization uh, that you can find at online at fdmny.org, uh, which is I'm going to read this: Supported Decision Making New York um, certainly all has an impact in that uh, for, for that population. So I'm, I'm excited to talk to you this morning about what you're doing um, through both of those avenues. Um, before we get into your work and learning more about um, the special education program at Hunter and, again, SDMNY, can you give us a little background on yourself, um, sort of what, what you, how you came to this point in your career and, and what you've done thus far, and maybe um, if there is uh, any personal connection or, or something that led you in this direction that would be of interest, we'd love to hear it. Sure. So I've always researched and been really interested in the topic of self-determination and intrinsic motivation. Um, Mm. I love intrinsic motivation because it's about joy and passion regarding what people do in life and what you in particular do in life. And I've always wanted everyone to live sort of a very intrinsically motivated, self-determined life. And throughout my life and in my research and in my work, um, I've always been focused on that self-determination part, that doing what you do because you want to do it, and having everyone be able to do what they do because they want to do it and not because someone is telling them to do it or someone is prompting them to do it. Um, So I do do a lot of work and research on intrinsic motivation and self-determination. And specifically, I started within the alternative education realm, and I'm still within that realm, uh, the realm of homeschooling and unschooling and things like that. Um, But five years ago, when I got hired as a clinical professor at Hunter College, um, a wonderful, wonderful judge put out a call for a grant. Her name is Chris Booth Glenn, and she's founder of Supportive Decision Making New York. Um, And my chair, thankfully, I don't, you know, it's something that I'm so always thankful for him for, um, had chosen me to sit on this discussion. And at that point, five years ago, it was really a discussion about supported decision-making because supported decision-making or alternatives to guardianship for individuals with disabilities was so very new. Um, So we sat down and we wrote a grant. And as everyone knows, when you sit down and you write a grant with colleagues, you know, this could be nothing or this could be something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like that year, right before the new year started, we got a call and it said, you know, your grant has been approved. New York State will fund it. And that was really the birth of supported decision-making New York, which was so exciting for everyone. Again, we didn't expect it and we got this grant. And then it was about doing it. <laughs> right. Um, right. 
so, and, and that's the wonderful part. The one, the amazing part has been within these past five years being involved in supportive decision making, watching it grow as a true alternative to guardianship, watching the people within it, um, and so that to me is the most the most wonderful thing and the most important thing. Ooh. I find all of this fascinating. I want to go. Back, I want to go back. I want to get into all the um, the details of how SDMNY works and who's participating and what the future holds. But I want to go back to how you kind of introduced you, yourself and your background. Um, I have never spoken to somebody who um, who have uh, who says that they have researched self determination and intrinsic motivation. And when you said intrinsic motivation, it brought me right back to my psych classes. I was a psychology major in, yes. in college, and um, and I haven't really thought about that in so long. But it is a fascinating thing. And it and it and when you said it's all about joy, it's just got my mind going because I'm like that that is that is exactly what it's about. It's it and it's it's sort of on the on the um, on the surface, right, it's it's a little bit kind of like what well, you know, do what makes you happy, but it can go so much deeper than that. So can you can you just take a few minutes and go into the deeper aspects of intrinsic motivation? Because um, I have a feeling that not too many people have really thought about it in a while, and also in relation to working with a population that I feel like I never hear yeah. that. Uh, kind of um, framework um, around decision making. I find it really fascinating. So, can you can you just go a little deeper into intrinsic motivation um, and and how you saw it connected to self determination? Sure, I would love to. Um, so, I have always studied intrinsic motivation and self determination using the framework that Edward D.C. and Richard Ryan um, created at the University of Rochester in 1985. And so, if you are a theory geek or you like to look things up, again, University of Rochester, 1985, Edward D.C. and Richard Ryan. Um, and so, they really defined self determination for individuals um, and have written about self-determination for individuals with intellectual disabilities and other special needs. So this immediately interests me. And, you know, it's one thing to, like, love intrinsic motivation and want to be intrinsically motivated, and it's quite another to be able to facilitate that intrinsic motivation in others. Uh, right. Of course, you can't force it because that well, would be Well, isn't it right? It, it almost, is, it almost right. goes against itself to try to force somebody to be intrinsically motivated. The whole thing, right? It doesn't exactly, it's a little dissonant. Yeah, it's a little different. It's definitely more, you know, it's definitely more difficult, right? Anytime you're trying to facilitate something and not force something, it becomes harder work. Um, but the work is so worth it. So I've spent most of my life writing and researching about a sub-theory of intrinsic motivation and self-determination theory called cognitive evaluation theory. Okay. Such a fancy academic name, but it's really simple. So cognitive evaluation theory really wraps our head around the social and environmental things that we can do as parents or as teachers or as caregivers to facilitate intrinsic motivation in others. And those three things are super easy. So the first thing is competence. The second thing is autonomy. And the third thing is relatedness. So I can break them down if you want. Yeah. Um, why don't you give an example of, of each? That would be great. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, 
to facilitate in someone a sense of competence, you really have to look toward their strengths and look toward what they're good at and really talk to the individual about their strengths and what they're good at so that not only you're acknowledging that in an extrinsic fashion, but they are integrating that in intrinsic fashion. I think all of us like to talk about what we're good at. Um, and individuals with special needs, you know, we tend to focus on weakness. But in this case, mm-hmm. it's talking about what they love and what they're interested in. Okay. The second thing is autonomy and the power of choice. Um, and this scares some people because once you start talking about choice and freedom um, in a system or a structure that really does like structure, we get a little ugh. But I will tell you that autonomy is a big part of facilitating intrinsic motivation. Individuals need to know that they have choices, that they can make choices, and that they can make decisions. And this will go into our later discussion about supported decision-making. Mm-hmm. And then there's the concept of relatedness. Um, individuals, no matter what, need to have one person that really believes in them unconditionally. You know, of course, it could be a parent with that unconditional love, but it also can be a coach or a mentor or a teacher. Um, okay. So all we really need to facilitate intrinsic motivation and self-determination is those three things. Well, you broke it down. It's, it's, uh, I, I'm all for this. I think this is great. And I really appreciate just um, that one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is because I get to talk to people like you who throw me for a curveball sometimes or throw, yeah, throw me a curveball sometimes because, no, 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 in, in a great way um, because it really helps me put the rest of what we're going to talk about into perspective. Um, and I really do appreciate you sharing that background. Um, I also just want to do a shout out on, you know, intrinsic motivation. It is a great thing. Who doesn't want to, who doesn't want to do what they want to do and do what they love to do just because you want to, um, you know, it, 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 it plays in every aspect of everyday life. But uh, when we come back from our quick break, we're going to talk about how it specifically relates to um, an alternative to guardianship and decision-making um, with, uh, for people with autism and IDD. Um, and, and I agree with you that what you said earlier, that is a very new um, idea. Uh, even at Anderson, where we specifically serve people with autism, I... Um, by and large, so you know, it's, it's all about guardianship and guardianship papers and the documentation and the process that you have to go through um, to do it. But but many families do point out along the way. So certainly, as their child ages and as they age, some of the um, challenges that go along with um, with very typical uh, traditional guardianship. So I'm I'm excited to learn about SDMY SDMNY dot org and what you do. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. This is 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and we are speaking with Dr. Gina Riley from Hunter College, and we'll be right back. In this time of unprecedented challenges, we've seen kindness and resilience light the way. Countless heroes are making courageous sacrifices for the greater good, and the team at Anderson Center for Autism are among those heroes. With tireless dedication and unwavering compassion, they're giving everything they've got to protect the health and well-being of people with special needs. On behalf of the Anderson family, they extend their heartfelt thanks. You are true humanitarians. Thank you for inspiring us every day and for all you're doing to light the way. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. 
Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ed Council. Welcome back to 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski from Anderson Center for Autism, and I'm speaking this morning with Dr. Gina Riley from Hunter College. Um, Gina and I have uh, been having a good time talking about intrinsic motivation uh, as it relates to self-determination. And, uh, Gina, thank you for, at the end of the first half, kind of reviewing just those three things um, to focus on in terms of competence, autonomy, and relatedness that will allow um, a teacher, a parent, a grandparent, a, a sibling, uh, a mentor, a coach to help facilitate intrinsic motivation in, in someone else, which when you first hear that may sound um, like it, it can't be done, but obviously it can. So, um so, again, competence, autonomy, and relatedness are those three areas. And I'd love it if now for the second half of the show you could go into um, sdmny.org, um, the alternative to guardianship. You touched on it earlier in terms of um, a grant. Uh, so this is supported by New York State. But I'd love to hear more now about... How does it all work? Who's receiving services? Um, who provides the the support? And um, and wh- and what do you feel the impact is uh, on you know and for the people that that are receiving those services? So, supported decision making New York is a collaborative effort between Hunter College, New York Alliance, Disability Rights New York, and the Arc of Westchester. And what supported decision-making really is, is it's an alternative to guardianship for individuals with autism and other developmental disabilities. Um, And we're really proud to be able to create a program that is indeed an alternative to guardianship. And so we call our individuals with disabilities decision-makers. And they are enrolled in a program where they go through three phases uh, with a facilitator, a supported decision-making facilitator. So in the first phase of supported decision-making, the individual with the disability or what we call the decision-maker, which is really important because it's really important for individuals with disabilities to feel themselves as decision-makers. Right, that's part of the competency, right? Yes, this is part of the competence. Um, Phase one is definitely part of competence and relatedness because what we do um, is we really get the individual to think of themselves as a decision maker. Mm -hmm. Um, We talk about decision making. We talk about the types of decisions they make in their life already as well as decisions they'd like to make in the future. Um, and so we talk about that in a really in-depth way, which, of course, increases relatedness between facilitator and decision-maker. And then we go into phase two, and this is the support. 
support part, uh, where we talk more about supporters that the decision maker has within their lives that can assist them in making decisions. Again, not make the decisions for them, but that can assist them in making the decisions if they so need help. Um, and so we have discussions about who they would like to support them, um, what types of support they would like, and how that support might look out in the real world. And then the third phase is getting the supporters and the decision makers together. Um, we have lots of joint meetings, and we talk about this supported decision-making agreement that both the decision maker and supporters and the facilitator will sign at the end of this process. Um, a supported decision-making agreement is not yet legally binding in New York State. We are hopeful that it will be soon, um, but it is an agreement that is well-respected by physicians and bankers and healthcare providers. Um, and so this agreement just states, you know, here are the areas where I might need support. Here are the people that support me, and this is the way that they support me. And this gives the individual, um, the decision maker, the individual with a disability, a lot more freedom, uh, a lot more autonomy in the way they make decisions and how they live their lives. Okay. All right. This is, um, let me take you, let me it's go really back. It's really alternative. It's very right. alternative. And, and how long has it been going on? You said, uh, you sure. did give the date before, but I missed it. So I know what you applied yeah. for the grant, but how long have you, has this um, alternative to guardianship been, in, been available? Yeah. So this is the fifth year. Um, mm -hmm. It's now been picked up in a huge way by New York Alliance, who is doing a lot of work with DRNY and Arc of Westchester in making this really not only a statewide, but a United States-wide thing. Um, supported decision-making, this is not the, the first place supported decision-making has ever been done. Um, supported decision-making is done in Massachusetts. It's done really well in Texas and in Washington, D.C. Um, okay. so there are places that do supported decision-making very well, both in the United States and worldwide. Okay. That's good to know. So it does exist. There are models for it. And But how many... And how many individuals are you working with through SDM and why? And yeah. are they all, these are all New Yorkers, I assume. Yes, these are all New Yorkers. Um, so we have 75 within New York City um, and more than 100 within New York State. Um, again, this was a pilot project. One of the reasons why this project was so incredible to be supported in New York City is because we wanted a diverse group of individuals to be able to access supported decision-making um, mm -hmm. and not just, you know, your white middle-class or um, higher-class family who could afford it. We wanted every to be able to do it. And so we have a diverse group of individuals who have signed supported decision-making agreements um, and really depend on those agreements for conversations with their bankers, with educators, with health care professionals, with doctors, things like that. Okay. And so speaking of the, so you just gave it a list of uh, people and organizations, businesses that, that an individual would be in a position to make a decision either in conjunction with or about um, or while they're at a doctor's appointment, for example, do you find that there's also a need to further educate those entities and those parties that you're not, you know, just because you're not dealing with a um, what you might be used to in terms of a guardian or a parent, um, is, there, is there a learning curve there on the, on the flip side of the communication? And the oh, yes. 
Yeah. Okay. So it's all about um, educating those who might, you know, find themselves in a situation where they do um, get shown a supported decision-making agreement. So we've been doing mm-hmm. great outreach to doctors, um, especially to the osteopathic community. We've been doing a lot of outreach, of course, to teachers within the Hunter College School of Education um, mm-hmm. and to schools within New York City. We've also done a lot of outreach um, because Chris Booth Glenn is a judge. We've done a lot of outreach to lawyers and to governors and to stakeholders within government because this is really um, a legal issue. Right. Right. So, um, and and how would you um, how would you describe the general response and reaction to to that outreach and also just the identi- you know just the, just the newness of this? Is it is it mostly yeah. positive? Good. Okay, that's what we've done. So interestingly, right? I've always been involved in the world of alternatives. Um, so this is my thing. I tend to find myself in this world of alternatives. Um, and so when you first introduce an alternative, there is skepticism, of course, because people are just like, well, how does this work? And mm-hmm. how does this run? Um, and then when people find out more about it, when people become involved in SDMNY New York, they then like have this newness to them. Um, they really support it. They're really excited about it. Human rights, the rights of individuals with disabilities is a huge, huge issue. Um, mm-hmm. And so this preserves an individual's human right. Um, and sometimes guardianship does take away some of those rights. Um, I don't ever do it as an either or, right? So I don't ever do it as this is better than this. It's always this is a choice. So supported decision-making is a choice just like guardianship is a choice. And Mm -hmm. so parents and families sort of have to make that choice. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that there's there's a tremendous amount of, of um, positives that go along with, with having a family member or somebody in your life who can... Um, you can take on that role of guardian. I know a lot of siblings, especially of, of folks in our care at Anderson, who step into that role, and it really is um, an unbelievable amount of responsibility and a, and a beautiful thing to take on that long-term role. But, you know, one of the wonderful things is when you have options and, like you said, alternatives. So um, I, I just want to underscore what you said, that this is this is an alternative to a more traditional situation um, that that we want people to just be aware that it exists and that it's available. Um, we only have a couple minutes, Gina. I wanted to just ask you to finish up by giving us a sense of the future. I know this started as a pilot program. Um, you said New York Alliance uh, um, for the Devel- Developmental Disabilities (NIAD) and um, and Arc Westchester and um, you know there are entities throughout the other states and throughout the world that are working. On um, on decision making. Um, so, what is the future of SDM and why? Will it continue? Is is it going to continue and look the same as it is? Are you looking to grow? We are always looking to grow. Um, our grant is only for five years, and so Hunter has is going to be in the transition of giving it to New York Alliance so they can spread it throughout New York. They've done a wonderful job so far. Um, and so it is. It will grow. There has been a lot more research about it, a lot of research-based books about it. So we're looking forward. You know, we started it as this tiny pilot, and we are looking forward to continuing to work with decision-makers but 
also watch it grow within the state of New York, um, mm-hmm. watch more of our legislatures and our governor um, really pay attention to this. Um, and really, again, it's an alternative, and it's an alternative that provides an individual with disability, more autonomy and more self-determination and more choice in their lives. So we're really excited to watch it grow both in New York State and worldwide. Thank you so much. This has been really informative. Um, You certainly taught me several things that I was not aware of, and so I hope our uh, listeners get something out of this as well. For more information, I did go to your website. It is sdmny.org, Supported Decision Making New York, and it is full of information. So I would encourage people who are interested in in learning more to go to that website, sdmny.org. And Dr. Gina Riley from Hunter College, thank you so much for being on the show today. We appreciate all that you're doing and um, and really stay in that alternative space. That's where a lot of great ideas are born and, and continue to grow. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. All right. This is 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski. And remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to 1 in 54, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at the same time next week. 